WFNU is a volunteer-run station made up of many different community voices. Each program expresses one aspect of that diversity, not the views of WFNU or Frogtown Tuned In as a whole. You are listening to The 945 Show on WFNULP 94.1 FM and podcasted everywhere. Local music from the Twin Cities. everybody and welcome to WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We are Frogtown Community Radio. This is the 945 show live in studio for the first time since last March. It's crazy to be back, but here we are. I am your host Mike Resendez. This morning we have a in-studio guest, the one and only Eli Gardner. Good morning, Eli. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. It's good to to talk to someone face to face. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. <laughs> face to face. This is the first time you've been back since March. Yeah, for this show. Wow, so. I did not know that. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. We uh, we've done some some video or video. Uh, well, it's video for on our end. Right. Um, recording uh, where we just take the audio out of that, and you were one of the guests back in July. Uh, Wasn't this, that far back? Wow. Yeah, I know. That's so why I went back to look <clears> at the the date of the show, and I was like. It seemed like just like two weeks ago you and I talked. Yeah, it did. So, um, but it was just before, uh, so July, so it was before your album was released because your album was released, what, two weeks ago now? Yeah, um, September uh, 25th. Yeah, so that's, it's kind of crazy how slow time has gone, but how fast time goes as well. We're in a space-time continuum. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> right. <clears throat> So we are WFNULP. If you want to find out more information, you can go to WFNU.org. Check us out there. We stream 24-7 on that website. We are also on the Live 365 app. If you download that on your mobile device, your phone, your tablets, whatever you got, uh, and then you search WFNU or Frogtown Radio or Frogtown, you'll find us. If you favorite us, then you'll always have us available with you. The crazy thing about apps and technology, Eli, is I've been able to listen to this station in Portland, Maine, and Portland, Oregon. So both coasts, both Portland. I've been to Portland, Maine, not Oregon. Really? Yeah. It's uh, almost the same, but on the other side of the country. Okay. <laughs> I, I like Portland, Maine. It was a cool little town. Yeah. Did you Did you get down to the old port? Yep. Did yep. you? The cobblestone streets and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Get some lobster rolls? Um, I don't think I did. Okay. I'm not a big seafood guy. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we there's a, uh, a a state park there called Cape Elizabeth, and uh, it's they have a lot of like rogue waves and rocks. So if you want to see like the big ocean waves, that's where you go nice. over there. And uh, they have this little shack that has uh, like lobster rolls, you know, just like East Coast food, you know, seafood. Yeah, the real deal. Yeah, but they have these massive, really aggressive seagulls there as well and uh we were sitting at one table um eating our food and uh someone someone on the table next to us unfortunately got their food snatched right out of the basket while they're sitting there like as close as you and i are sitting that's how close the seagull 
You need, a, you need a, like a seagull swatter. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. It was like a tennis racket. <laughs> it's like, what the heck is going on around here? These seagulls are super aggressive. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's nuts. But anyway, we didn't he- come here to talk about seagulls and, and lobster rolls. We came here to talk about your music. Yeah. Um, so a lot has happened since you've been on the, the show last. Like I said, your, uh, your album Tattered and Torn, or I'm sorry, The Fire and the Medicine came out. Tattered and Torn is one of the songs on there Yes. Uh, that we played on our last show. Um, we're going to play a song called Villain Later. You brought your guitar. Why don't you tell everybody why you brought your guitar? Oh, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some new songs I, I've been working on, actually. Does uh, the songwriting process ever stop for a singer-songwriter? Uh, it is a process. I think there is ebbs and flows. When the quarantine stuff first started happening, when everything was getting shut down in March, I didn't pick up my guitar for about a month, and I probably didn't write anything for two to three months. But um, after that, it was kind of like a floodgate. You know, things kind of back up, and then you uh, just kind of let, uh, let the creativity happen and let the... Uh, kind of go down those little roads of songwriting. Is it uh, like a subconscious thing that you think, were they building up or were they songs and stuff you were aware that they were in your head, you just were waiting for the right time to sit down and do it? Yeah, for me, the the um, inspiration is, is subconscious where I'm not actively thinking about it. I, I'll get ideas for songs here and there. Mm-hmm. And if something seems, if there's a song inspiration where I'm working on lyrics or melody. Sometimes it's right away, but but sometimes it's just kind of like something I work on. I have a notebook and I kind of go back to it every day and work on multiple songs at a time. So it's a lot of these songs that I wrote recently are like that. Yeah, now so you've got your notebook in front of yeah. you. It looks pretty full. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to start looking for a new one. It's getting, it's getting full. Yeah, how many of those notebooks do you have at your house? Um, a lot. <laughs> Probably a book, bookshelf full. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stacks and stacks of notebooks. Yeah, yeah. So do you uh, do you have a, a stock in any of the notebook companies or anything? <laughs> I have a preference. I have a preference for kind of like the uh, the hard the hard hard hardcover um, notebook. You know. Right. Yeah. I see no spiral. So. No spirals. No. Yeah, it's got to be perforated edges. All right. See, we're learning a lot about you already. Is this? <laughs> and you probably can't read my writing. That's that's the. Uh, Helps me protect my songs from copyright. Right, there you go. (laughs) I got got scribbles. How is the copyright process for uh, just any musician? I mean, mean, technically, if you want to get technically, anytime it's recorded Uh or or, um, any type of recording, it's an automatic copyright. Right. But there's a process where you can send it in and and, in batches of songs as well. Yeah, and then you can get, like, with the letter of the law, copyright. Right. Yeah. Is there, um, where, how, like, a... I don't know if warehouse is not the correct term, but is there like a like a holding house or something out there? Um, companies I'm that not do sure. that for you? I'm not sure. I you know, I think there's there's the main copyright office and then um it just depends. I mean, on on what kind of copyright rights you want to get, you know. Sure. Right. Now this is your uh your fifth album that you released, correct? Correct, yeah. And uh we were talking on on the last show and just a little bit before this is like the big mastered yeah, this album. is this is the biggest kind of um, production of songs I've done so far, and, and as far as getting other people involved as well. Yeah. And what was that process like for some somebody who hasn't done it before into somebody that you know now that you've done it? Yeah, uh, what I've done would it. You on... have changed, and what what would you what do you think you're going to do differently on the next one? 
I think this is this is this is an album where I just wanted to get the right players involved and do it. And I think the songs kind of dictate what the process will be. Right. And these songs were <clears throat> the type of songs where I wanted a, a bigger production. I wanted them to really um, hit you in a certain way and and be kind of just big. You know what that means? Just a lot of different things, but it ultimately means getting more than myself involved and getting players that can bring these songs to a different place. Yeah. Now, did, did you know? Did you know these other players uh, beforehand? <clears throat> yeah, that was. I kind of got to know people through through the process. I got to know um, Greg Shooty, who helped me produce it, and uh, I recorded it with him mm-hmm. at his studio, uh, Bathtub Shrine Studios, in the Northeast of Minneapolis. And then he uh, mixed it as well. So I got to know Greg pretty well through that process. Um, and then it kind of just all started through the songwriter showcase in St. Paul at Plums. It was a, they, have it, they used to have it every Sunday, you know, when those type of things were happening. And um, I met Nick Salisbury, who's a bass player, and Dan Schwartz, who's a multi-instrumentalist and plays guitar and slide and all kinds of stuff um, through that, through just going there every Sunday. Right. And that's kind of how it came about, was just meeting those guys, and they introduced, introduced me to Greg. And um, it kind of happened through, the, through there, where it's like I was sending him demos when they, when they were on tour. Nick Salisbury was charting out demos when he was touring with Ryan Bingham. Um, so they were great. They're, they're professionals, and they, um, and they really, I guess, liked my music. So that was a, a really uh, cool thing for me, just to have that. Um, recognition from those type of guys. And I saw in your in your Bandcamp uh, page, you have the demos for this album yeah. out there available, right? Yeah, I have I have a handful of I think there's like 16 songs I kind of just did phone recordings of. Okay. Yeah, and, and like um, that raw recording. Yeah. I think most of the songs are out there in demo form on Bandcamp. Um, but that's what I was doing was I was just sending out a text. Um, and sending a wave recording, you know, wave file recording to these guys, and be like, "Here's how the song goes." And for the most part, that's that's how the song came about, and that's kind of the form it took. Right. Yeah. Now, did they uh, did they offer when you send them out uh, to people like that? Did they offer critiques or how you can change some of your music? That came like that? that came later in the studio, just okay. as far as like, because when you're playing solo, you're adding pauses sometimes. Or it's not a compact song as far as like the format and how it's structured. Sure. And so in the studio, they're very helpful as far as like things I didn't think of, like what what beat, how many beats per minute is the song? You know, right. should it, where does it lie on as far as like the the rhythm? How how fast or how slow is it going to be? Um, or adding um, a build up to a chorus or going directly into a verse, things like that. Right. That they that they were very helpful, and, and that just from being musical and you know playing a lot of music and just kind of understanding song structure. Yeah. And what's your your background in in music? I mean, are you did you study music theory, or did you have somebody no, in not. your past that influenced the music side of things? Well, I grew up in a musical household. Okay. So I grew up listening to a lot of music. Um, my mom and my dad both played music, and would like torment me and my brothers and my sisters. Uh, Blasting Bonnie Raitt on the radio and stuff like that. <laughs> now I like Bonnie Raitt, but back right. then I was just like, "Come on, this is old people music." <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny how you you end up listening to the music you grew up listening to from yeah. your parents, and now it 
seems to be a lot of the classic stuff that, that you listen to now. For days. sure, for sure. <laughs> There's a lot of Cool in the Gang and, and Phil Collins and <laughs> growing oh, up nice. in my house. So. That's good. Yeah, so we had that Gloria Stefan as well. So uh, the time is now 9.57. You're listening to the 9.45 show on WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. This is Frogtown Community Radio. Uh, I am your host, Mike Resendez, and uh, Eli Gardner is in studio with me. Uh, today and uh, well, po- I should apologize to the listeners. I keep hitting the microphone with my mask, so <laughs> if they hear some kind of weird static or it sounds like somebody's bumping the microphone, it somebody is. It's me. So you got a branded mask on. That's cool. I do. Yeah, I got a branded mask. <laughs> I got the uh, branded sweatshirt. Oh wow! So the nine forty five show. I got merchandise. Everybody, we'll put a link in the dis- in. Uh, all I'm gonna of have to talk to you about getting some merch. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> How, do you have merch available? Yeah, that's what I said. I don't really right now. I, I would like to, but this is just a process right now. Just focusing on the album, but yeah, and that, yeah. So there's all sorts of different things you have to think of as a as a musician, don't you? <laughs> when you don't yeah, have money, is one of them. Right? <laughs> <laughs> have money, and and then you got the music and the recording and the mastering, and now you got to throw merch in this whole thing. Eventually, right? I think I think I might wait till you know I start playing more shows and things start open up a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, no. Let's talk about shows. Uh, shows have been kind of upended in the beginning. Everything stopped. Everything closed. Um, things have slowly been been returning to something normal. Lots of uh, outdoor shows on patios and in front yards of people's houses and neighborhoods. You've played a couple shows. I think you played one last night, didn't you? Yeah, I played a neighborhood show in uh, in South Minneapolis where it was it was all acoustic actually, which was something okay. different for me. Um, I'm playing just playing solo acoustic in someone's front yard, and people are I'm um, hanging out. And uh, so yeah, that was interesting. That was it was fun though. There was a you know about 20, 20, 25 people there, so okay, all spread out and wearing masks and stuff. And I wore a mask when I was when I was playing too, um, just to protect people and. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was. Uh, it's. I think you got to get creative and you got to kind of just go where the music is right now. And people, I think, maybe, I don't know, maybe appreciate a little more. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um, like it was people. It was. A, it was a city block, but people were quiet and just listening to the music, and I think really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it's. So I didn't go to a ton of shows uh, to begin with. I started going to more shows over the last couple of years. Um, and it's something you don't really realize that you miss right. until somebody tells you you can't do it anymore. Um, but now that it's coming back, I think people are appreciating um, not you know just not just getting out, but like the live performance aspect, the entertainment part of it. I think people are learning to 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 really enjoy. Yeah, what I've, they're doing. yeah. I, I mean, I've played shows and I've been to shows where it feels like. You know, it's kind of just an excuse to sell beer and, you know, sell alcohol. But um, I think, and hopefully people remember that, you know, when things start opening up, that, that music is, is a powerful thing and that it shouldn't be taken for granted and that it should be given respect. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're, you hit it right on the head there. I think in, with these music venues, um, not a lot of them are actually opening up uh, right now and, and a lot of them might not reopen after everything's open. Yeah, it's going to be back, a different so. landscape, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, what venues have you played and what venues would you like to play if, if it's possible after everything's over? Um, you know, I'm kind of new to the... I've been here over two years now, so I'm kind of new to the area as far as, okay. as, far as music goes. Um, 
You know, I played the Warming House. Um, that was one of my last shows in public, I guess, before um, all this stuff happened. Um, that was a lot of fun. I've done some of my favorite shows have been in a more intimate setting, like in people's garages, people's living rooms, um, backyards. Um, so I haven't played any big venues necessarily. Okay. I love to now that I have, you know, a band where I can get loud and you know, and uh, get some rhythm going. So. Right. Um, but yeah, that's. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of great venues. One, my, I would love to play at the Turf Club. That's that's one I, I would really like. Sure. Like yeah, that would be awesome. That's a great place to see a show. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and they'll they'll be reopening. Uh, at least they've committed to reopening after uh, the pandemic is over. So. Um, but there, uh, that is a great place uh, to watch a show. I've watched a couple of shows there, so I've seen a couple of shows yeah. there. So um, that whole group, you know, they it's the same group that owns uh, First Avenue and right. Line and everything. So they do a really good job of putting uh, their resources towards live performances, and and they, you know, they really um, appreciate local local talents there as well. So uh, we'll get you there. We'll we'll put pressure on them. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Some of that. 945 show public pressure <laughs> see what kind of influence i have so um is it different uh to singing with the mask i mean i'm sure it, you know it's just something you got to do now but was it the first time you did it was that something that you were having to get used to yeah definitely um it's interesting and almost you can almost hear yourself better okay i i found um the biggest thing for me when singing is my mask kind of rides up and gets close to my eyes. Oh, yeah. And so that's the only thing that really kind of bothers me. Um, as far as, like, breathing and singing in a mask, I'm kind of used to it now. Okay. So. Yeah, was gonna, that was going to be my next question. Was, there, was the breathing, because learning how to breathe and sing and play at the same time is something you got to get used to, and now you got to throw a mask on it. I mean, <laughs> it's, it can't be too easy to yeah to do right away. And I, and I think when you have a microphone, I don't think it's, it's much different. You can get close and... Um, but playing acoustically like I did um, yesterday was was a new experience for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, once you start playing, I think it's uh, it's all it's all fun, man. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, should we? Uh, let's get into some music. Um, let's play villain, and then we will get uh, get you set up to play a couple couple of your new stuff live. Sounds good. And uh, we will go from there. You were listening to. The 945 show on WFNULP 94.1 FM.
His guitar was strung backwards The wood grain and weed The wood grain and weed So hear the soft rhyme The story is told I've been wrestling with the ghosts That have been bought and sold Seated blues, the dust and Dylan holding those notes just to play the villain. guest Eli Gardner that was off of your new album the fire and the medicine uh that's a pretty sweet tune Thanks, man. Oh, here there Thank we you. go <laughs> turn <laughs> your you. microphone back on <laughs> so uh tell us a little bit about uh that song what, what's what's the story behind that um that one so I was on a plane and when I when I like to fl- when I fly, would, uh when I would fly I like to download podcasts and listen to them and uh I was listening to a podcast uh, with Steve Earle, and he was talking about songwriting and about how Bob Dylan did it on purpose. I just thought that was an interesting concept of doing something on purpose, let alone songwriting. Right. For me, <clears throat> it's not necessarily on purpose. It's um, it's uh, kind of <clears throat> excuse me, I need to cough. Yeah, no problem. <clears throat> it's just something that kind of happens where. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting idea, and that kind of sparked the idea for the song. Nice. And the Fire and the Medicine is available right now, um, and through your website and on Bandcamp. Why don't you tell people how to? How yeah, my get website that. is Eli E L I Gardner G A R D I N E R dot com. It's through Bandcamp, but that also, album is also on Spotify, Amazon Music, and all that stuff too. Yeah. So buy it and stream it. Do both. Yes, that's great for uh, independent artists. Yeah. So you got a couple of songs uh, you're going to do for us. We're going to do three total. Uh, you're going to do two back-to-back. Okay. Um, 
so why don't you i'm going to turn it over to you you can introduce uh the songs and tell us what you want about them and uh we'll go from there so go ahead and take it for take it from here all right this uh this song is called unknown is racing, you can barely breathe. Your mind is blurry in your anxiety. The smell is rising, it's the sovereignty. Come along, honey, I'll help you believe. Runaway feeling in the dark It's a simple life but a cold, cold heart I can see the dogs but I don't hear the bark It's a long way to heaven, it's a far away start I don't fear the unknown That's awesome. Thanks. <clears throat> I'm not sure what this next one's called. <laughs> this is a this is a real new one. Um, I got to read off the lyrics here in my book. 
It's tentatively called Bouncing Back. Thanks. So when it comes to, to naming songs, like you said, that one was you know tentatively named Bounce yeah. was it Bouncing Back or Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do you think it should be called? I think that's a great name, but yeah. what uh what goes how how difficult is it to name songs? I mean it's probably like an artist that paints that feels like they have to name every painting, you know, you just I mean is that that's part of the creative process as well. Is it just yeah, lyrics that you pull out? Sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't mean anything, sometimes it's it's part of the chorus. Right. Uh, 
I, I'm, I don't know. I, 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 I don't like songs where it's like, this call, song is called uh, Bouncing Back, and then that's the first line. Right. <laughs> I'm bouncing back, I'm bouncing. It's like, right. okay. <laughs> Get a little deeper into the song, huh? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, that one, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's like a jumpier tune, you know? Yeah, it's, it could go both ways, I guess. It's, uh, lyrically, it's, it's kind of uh, cutting, I guess. Right. But yeah, I, and I like that combination of the dichotomy of having a song that's kind of upbeat, but then lyrically, it's it, it's it's kind of right. Stupid. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it's, actually, while I was listening to that one, I was thinking, I was like, okay, these, you know, it's kind of it's a deeper song. You gotta when you listen to the words, so it, it's not just you know like I'm sitting over here tapping my feet right. at the same time, but at this I'm listening to the words. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's funny that kind of. So I was actually um, I was watching a, a documentary. Well, it's not. It, it's a movie. It's a really good movie. Uh, Ethan Hawke did about Blaze Foley. Okay. And it's uh, it's on Netflix. You should definitely check it out. And everyone should check it out. Um, but he was a songwriter in Austin, Texas. And he wrote Clay Pigeons. And most people think John Prine wrote that, but he actually did. Right. He has a lot of other great songs. But I was learning one of his um, lesser-known songs uh, because I was watching the documentary and I really liked it. And uh, the chord pattern of one of his songs kind of inspired this song. Okay. Even though it's totally a, a different style song, but just the chords and themselves and kind of the combination. Um, sure. And I was thinking about that actually when I was playing it because you were asking kind of what what it, what inspires songs sometimes. Right. So it can be a lot of different things. Right. Like yeah. That. The environment, what you're watching, <laughs> everything. Yeah, definitely. So, how old is uh, the guitar that you're playing? Looks like it's probably been around for a little while, right? This is my dad's old guitar. Okay. Um, it's a Martin HD28 um, re- vintage reissue. Um, I'm not sure how old it is. Um, I'm not like a huge aficionado of, of music gear or, you know, okay. vintage stuff. I just like stuff, um, <clears throat> know what I like, you know, as far as what sounds good. Right. Yeah. That sounds great. Thank you. Uh, no matter how Thanks. old it is or, or what, um, is instruments kind of like, uh, like a pair of shoes. You got to break them in and, and wear them in a little bit or. Yeah, I think, uh, and then they inspire different, different, um, chords and different uh phrasings and you know different songs as well sure yeah i bet a lot of that uh a lot of things that you know like people like me don't even think about <laughs> when you're writing songs you know what what the instrument can and can't do you gotta yeah. kind of figure that out right yeah and and this is this is a, a a guitar that has a thicker neck and so it's it's easier to finger pick okay and then it's uh the body starts on the 12th fret so it has a much a lot of a lot of bass and a lot of um, good tone. So there's a um, there's a lot of range. Right. And Martin guitars are known for their range too. So awesome. It's a good recording guitar. All right. So you've got. Uh, we're gonna play uh, a third song, uh, another unreleased song, correct? Sure. Um, now these the last two you played, um, they're not available anywhere right now, right? No, they're yet to be recorded. They're only. This is the exclusive. The world premiere yeah. on the 945. Show. All right, what's really that? Cool. I'm trying to figure out what I should play now. Yeah, let's yeah. do this one. Okay. This is a, this is a more of a finger picking song. It's getting your. It's a capo, right? Is yep. that what those are called? Yep.
So I think this one's called Turnin'. The name of that one again was? I think I'm going to call it Turnin'. Turnin'? Turnin', yeah. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, good uh, good tune. Thank uh, you. I'm, I'm watching you. How, how often do you play these songs, the, the newer ones, that uh, um, the, like the, the three that we just heard? I try to play them every day. Okay. It kind of like, if I have time in the day, I'll, I'll just kind of sit, sit down and, and open up the notebook. I don't really sit down like, practice per se it's it's more just about going through songs right and um i found that's kind of how they 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 ended up being end up being structured is just from playing them yeah oh is it like a like a hit and miss or like just like you said just like practicing playing every day just to learn kind of like how the song is supposed to be played after you yeah it? yeah it's kind of the 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 lyrics and the melodies and the chords kind of come all together sometimes and but then the structure and if i want to repeat parts that sure. comes just kind of from playing and will change yeah as i play it yeah if you like today even um when you play them do you in your mind 
think to yourself, okay, next time I play it, I'm going to try it this way to see how it sounds. Or Yeah, well, yeah, that's – and then I kind of remember um, for this last one turn, and I, I repeat the first verse because it's not really a chorus. Right. Um, and I think – I don't know. It's just it's just kind of an intuitive thing, and and uh, and may, it it and my it just kind of uh, just kind of a gut reaction where it's like okay, I, I think that I should repeat that or it needs to end this way, you know. Right. Time is now ten twenty five. You're listening to the nine forty five show on WFNULP ninety four point one FM in St. Paul. I'm your host, Mike Resendez. Eli Gardner is my in studio guest today. Uh, he just played uh, three songs, uh, unreleased songs, uh, so that's pretty cool. We heard Villain off of the Fire and the Medicine album, which is available now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Go to EliGardner.com or EliGardner.Bandcamp.com. Check that out. Yeah. Stream it everywhere. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, it's available in a lot of different places, so uh, check that out. Um, also, uh, radio station wise, we want to let you know that you can catch up on all of your uh, news headlines of the day at one o'clock Monday through Friday here on ninety four point one FM. It's about a, a five to ten minute uh, uh, headline show that catches you up on on everything uh, throughout the day and what's important. Um, and so, if you're uh, just getting home or just need a, a break from your uh, virtual work, uh, you can t- tune us in and uh, check that out now you're from michigan originally correct yep the up yeah and you're you're a big hockey player, yeah right yeah well i grew up playing hockey i played some junior hockey too after high school right now tell us a little bit about your junior hockey life i mean what <laughs> what is junior for those that don't follow uh hockey or, or the progression from uh you know hockey players can take what what is junior hockey so junior hockey is a step above high, high school hockey and um High school hockey, you know, as far as the levels go, it depends per state. You know, obviously Minnesota's got great high school hockey. When I played juniors, I played with a lot of guys from Minnesota. Okay. Um, but I played uh, – so junior hockey is, like, I think it's 17 to 20-year-olds. Okay. So it's a, it, some people are still in high school, and some people take um, – I took a year off after high school. But I played my senior year of high school and then a year, um, a year after high school as well. Okay. And what, uh, what high school did you go to in Michigan? Um, Sault Ste. Marie. How, um, how, they just have one high school. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, Sioux, Michigan. How, uh, how was the team? Um, they were good, but they were I mean, not, not as good as, like, um, New Hampshire or Minnesota high school hockey. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, hockey is kind of a, a different sport where, you know, like in baseball, you could be a 21-year-old rookie, but in hockey, rookies sometimes are 26, Well, it depends 25. if you go to college or not. So there's right. two routes to, like, the big leagues is um, – um, major juniors, which is a Canadian thing, pretty much. Okay. They, I think they have a couple teams in the states, but major juniors where you give up your eligibility. Okay. And so you're getting a stipend, and you're they pay for your gear and stuff. The juniors I played was not that. It was still, um, you know, it was. Uh, I guess you could still go to college after it. Sure, the NCAA yeah. would still allow. Yeah, that. and so it depends if you. But if some some players they go to college and they're good, they play you know Division One, and then they make the jump to. The, the NHL or AHL. Okay. Um, I didn't make it that far. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I had fun playing, but um, I didn't. I decided I didn't want to play in college, and right. I probably could have played Division Three somewhere, but I was doing more music and doing more art and uh, kind of putting my efforts in that direction. So yeah. And uh, did you, do you follow college hockey now? Do you have a favorite college hockey team, or do you have you pretty much 
checked out of the sport? Or how I don't really it? follow it. I, I'm, I love to watch, watch a good hockey game, but I don't really follow college. Um, I like to see Lake Superior State do well okay. just because that's, you know, kind of – I grew up watching them. And back in the early 90s, they were winning national championships. Okay. Um, it's, it's changed since they did the Big Ten, though. They instituted the Big Ten for hockey, and I can't kind of think it messed it up. Yeah, it definitely like, is. There's all these small schools that they can't really do anything now. Um, but I, I loved what, growing up. I watched, you know, the Lake Superior State Lakers um, play Michigan and just, just kill them. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was the th- they got rid of the WCHA, yep. which eliminated a lot of the rivalries uh, that were going on, and they, you know, the Big Ten uh, obviously created their own conference for the first time. Uh, but they should have just I, I, they should have left it alone because I, mean, I know the Gophers are playing Bemidji State, St. Cloud State. There's a lot of more. I mean, there's, there's there's much better rivalries like locally it right. seems. Yeah, uh, regionally, in in college hockey than the like Big Ten. But it's just a money making thing, you know. Right. Yeah. It was it was the network, the Big Ten network <clears throat> money grab. Yeah, that's what it bad. was. Do you follow the NHL? And yeah, I watched Stanley I watched Cup? the playoffs and stuff this year. Yeah. Yeah. Where you at? Are you a Wild fan, or do you watch? Uh, are you more of a fan of, of another team? Well, I'm from Michigan, so I'm not a Wild fan. <laughs> so is there another team from Michigan that could possibly? Uh, I can't think of one. But they're not good. The Red Wings are not good. We're not having them good for a while. But I mean, again, I grew up watching, watching them win. So, um, but I so just they let, had a good run. Yeah, they they had a great era. They 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 need to rebuild, just like the Wild. Um, but uh, my team this year was just kind of. Just because they're great, a great team to watch was the, um, the the Knights, Las Vegas Knights. Yeah, where do they come from? Like, my God, they usually expansion teams are terrible for the first couple. Well, it's of years. all they did it, but it's also, I mean, they're just they have some good players. And just as hockey goes, as a hockey fan, a fan of the game, they were just fun to watch. They're big and fast. Yeah. Um, but it was weird this year, man, watching it on TV. We- and. Uh, just no stand, no fans in the stands, and right. uh, it, you could definitely even on TV you could tell the energy level is different. I mean, it's still playoff hockey, but the energy level was just completely different. Right. What I found weird uh, watching hockey games in, in the bubble, well, they had one in Toronto, one in Edmonton, correct? Right. So they, no fans. You're in a bubble, uh, but when both teams score, the horns went off. Which is something you don't usually see, you know. Was it both teams? Both teams, oh, yeah. Okay. So it was that to me felt different. So I, you know, because usually it's better than silence, I guess. Right, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, because you, you know you would play, you know, normally teams on the road they score. There's no horn, you know. But anytime e- either team scored, you heard a horn, and it was their home arena's horn. So which oh. which made it even more weird. Yes, right. when I'd watch the wild game, you could you'd hear their their you know air horn that they play, right. you know, and then whoever they were playing when they would score. Well, there's not really there. any home ice advantage. There wasn't so. No, no, but you're right. There was was a little odd. It's different. So then in basketball with their bubble, that was that's terrible because they have the virtual fans, which are cheering on a on a screen, you know, on the sidelines. Oh really? Which, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't been watching that. Yeah, that's that's even more strange to see right so and then in baseball you had the cutouts um, yeah or you that. have the cutouts and that actually with the with the crowd murmur same thing with football uh kind of makes it sound like there's people there it didn't, didn't really make a difference as far as watching it on tv no other than seeing fat heads 
right. behind the, the players when they were batting. So strange. Yeah. Could you play in front of an empty crowd? Uh, I know some venue. There's a I do it all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like the hook and ladder, I think were, was doing virtual shows. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that w- that would be fun. Um, I think that's kind of what I, what you do when you're live stream. Um, but yeah, it would be different. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sure you know it, it would be fun regardless. But it would be a different thing to be on a stage in a club and be playing to the camera people. Right, yeah, because yeah. the the energy of the crowd is something that I'm sure as a musician you feed off of. Um, yeah, when when you do it live stream versus when you do it, you know, like in these neighborhood shows you've been doing. Um, explain to us a little bit of uh, the different feeling as far as the vibe um, and and the feedback you get from the energy. So my live streams have been I've kind of learned to do it for my own sake and hopefully people like it as far as keeping myself interested. Sure. So I'll play, play a lot of new stuff. I won't necessarily have a set list. I'll kind of just wing it and play what is inspire me in the moment. Um, I've done that live as well, but I think when you're playing in front of people live, it's, um, you're going to fall back on certain things. So, uh, the last show I played, the show I played yesterday in, in neighborhood, I had an idea of songs I wanted to play, um, but I think actually the live stream has helped me get more comfortable in front of playing. Sure. Even though you're playing to a phone, you're still you know there's still people. You still it's still that feeling of playing for people. So I think it's got given me more comfortability playing in front of people and talking in between songs. Um, but there's definitely a different energy um, when you're up there and you're you're singing to people. Um, but overall, I think it's helped me become a better performer. Sure. Because I've always loved to write songs. I've, I've always struggled with the performing aspect of it and explaining myself so it makes sense. Right. And like, <laughs> and things, you know, flow and I'm not talking too much, but, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm setting up the song correctly and things like that. Yeah. Do you do a, a regular uh, streaming uh, like every Tuesday at seven or anything like that, or is it kind of you know I'm going to start because okay. I think it's a good thing to do um, and it helps me um, just get out of my head and stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm going to actually start doing a Tuesday at seven. Oh, actually. yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, I, I've done some live streams leading up to the album. Um, September I I did a live stream every Tuesday, um, and I think I'm going to get back to it. Okay, just to keep on a schedule and keep putting the music out there. All right, and where would people be able to find your live streams? On my Facebook page, you can just type in Eli Gardner, okay, and uh, my Facebook page will come up. All right, and you're on uh, Instagram and Twitter as well, correct? Yep. correct? Do you mind giving out those handles, or do you want to give those uh, people I, I, Yeah, I think it's just I think it's just my name. If you you know okay. you'll be able to find me if you type the, uh, the just the key is the Gardner G A R D I N E R. Okay, so people can find you on there. What what are your thoughts on on keeping up with the social media side of things as well, and how different to you is Facebook versus Twitter? So Twitter is more opinion and kind of hot takes and right. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really post a ton of um, pictures or, you know, I, I try to post links. And, but I think people that, that follow and the people that I want to follow, it's more um, either it's for, it's for information, you know, for news or, or 
for inside information or it's for people's, you know, witty quips. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twitter, I, I always try to explain when people ask about Twitter. It's, it's a cesspool. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, you really don't know what you're going to get from day to day. Um, but what's kind of fun about Twitter is there's, you know, there's different groups that you can kind of get into, like the local music scene right, here right. on Twitter. is. Uh, there's a lot of great musicians to follow, and they're all great to follow on Twitter. I mean, either, you know, they're telling you about live shows, telling you about music, or, you know, they're kind of giving you an insight on, on their personal opinions or lives or anything like that. But it's nothing, you know, crazy like if you get into, like, the political side of Twitter, it's just garbage. Right. You know, it's just kind of like... Yeah, well, know. I mean, th- I think uh, that's the whole thing is I think the political is is always the personal now. So I don't know if you can separate that necessarily, but I know what you're talking about where it's just those type of um, accounts where they're just tweeting certain things that are just kind of hammering home a message over and over and over. Right. Or you can tell there's an agenda, you know. Exactly, yeah. 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 That's good thing about uh, Twitter. There's a mute button. so you can you know see what you want to see and not see what you want to see but and then you get on the other side facebook and i usually use facebook like when i'm promoting shows um like for this show uh that's usually when i'm on facebook um for this show you just promote the show get it out there um but yeah on twitter it's i use it you know to promote the different things that i'm doing but then i also kind of want to see like i said the news of the day Twitter is a good source to find out news. You know, it's like mm-hmm. if you're into just news in general, for sure. uh, breaking news or just, you know, catching up on stuff you missed, uh, that's kind of where I go to get it. I don't know why I do that. but Yeah, but I think it's, I mean, it's all about community building, all the, all right. the media, you know, radio too. I mean, it's about um, especially local radio. And uh, it's about kind of learning where your community is and learning what they're doing. And supporting them, you know, right through music, through art, through all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's a it's plug for community radio. There's uh, a handful of community radio stations here in the Twin Cities. Pretty sweet. Um, I mean, if you just you'll find something you like yeah. on one of the stations. No, I've been pleasantly surprised, you know, in the whole process of of looking up where I can put my music and you know, kind of the venues I can go through. And so right. it's been I've been really happy with just the selection and the the opportunities for independent artists um in the twin cities and um from you know the big thing the big big radio stations to the smaller ones it's it's been really cool yeah and it's like just we reach out kind of ask you know where where can you get your music played you've done kind of like a whirlwind tour of the twin cities music I have. <laughs> uh, radio haven't you uh, you've been on a couple of different radio stations and yeah getting a couple. Some more play yeah so here and there. yeah how's is this the most radio play you've gotten with the different radio stations here in the twin cities or have yeah you had, yeah for sure how does um, that feel yeah it's been cool um there's been a good reception to the music um i'm pretty proud of the album you know as a whole uh i think nowadays people focus on singles and yeah that's important but you shouldn't let certain um, music apps I'm not that are going to go unnamed right now um, <laughs> dictate what you do as a musician. You know what I mean? Right. If you want to make an album, you should go make an album. If that's what the songs are telling you to do, and they it makes sense to do, so that's why I want to do with this and put it out there. And um, you know, I think it's a it's a really good uh, moment in time of where I was at and. Uh, 
not just for myself, but for um, a lot of different people. I, I speak on a lot of different points on this album. Yeah, and you have 12, 12 tracks uh, on this album. The album we're talking about is The Fire in the Madison Available Now uh, by Eli Gardner. Uh, he is my guest here on the 945 show. Uh, LP versus EP. Have you released any EPs? Um, and what what well, do you think tell, uh, tells you, you know, you, this should be a, a full-length album versus a like a shorter EP album? I think it's just about the storytelling aspect of it and if it makes sense. When I was when I was getting the songs together and getting the demos together, um, you kind of look for a theme and look for ideas that are cohesive. Um, and it's not necessarily uh, the type of album where it's like, it's in, it's like sequential songs, but... Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of an intuitive thing, like if it if it makes sense. Because I I had a list of around twenty five songs when I was putting this album together, and I just kind of went through and kind of uh, was I was thinking more sonically and and also what the song was about. Sure. Um, and I think, I you know I, I like listening to full albums, especially now. Like you know when all this stuff happened, I was going on walks and going on hikes. And I think it really helped center me was was to get out there, get away from your phone, put some music on, and uh, and just listen, let the music play, you know, for a full album length. I think there's there's right. power in that. Yeah, and I think it like you said, it kind of just depends on what you want to get out there and the, the different themes you got going on. Like you said, you had 25 songs to choose, so you mm-hmm. could pick which ones fit, and then you just played three more that are unreleased to go along with the other ones that didn't make this album. So, <laughs> so yeah. you, you got like another full, at least another full album. Yeah, that's in, <laughs> that's going to be down the line here. I, I want it to be more probably acoustic-based. Okay. And kind of a more live setting. But that's, yeah, that's an, that's what I want to do after this. But for me, it was a challenge too because I've never really done a full band rock album. Okay. I've always been a solo artist. I've worked with other people and I've had bands before, but I've never done to like the the, the peak professional level where I take these songs and I just do them the best I can and take the time and the patience with them. And so that's really what this album represents is me being like, yeah, I can, I, I have rock songs, I can play them, and I can do some acoustic stuff too. And, um, and then there's something to be said, I think, as, a, as an artist, as putting your best foot forward mm-hmm. and letting the chips fall where they may after that. Yeah. So this is really what this album's about. It's like, this is what I can do. And um, I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. Now, speaking of rock and roll, yesterday, uh, rock legend passed uh, huge. Uh, Eddie Van Halen passed away at the age of 65, uh, succumbing to uh, his throat cancer. Um, just as a as a music fan in general, yeah. Um, what what are some of your favorite Eddie Van Halen memories? Or I mean, what what sticks out to you? Did you have you heard any cool stories over the last 24 hours about him? I saw something actually on Twitter <laughs> about a guy who was at a Tool concert. Okay. And he asked someone to take his picture with him in front of the stage. And guess who took his picture? <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Van Halen, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he, awesome. he was, he's totally unaware. Right. <laughs> I saw uh, the story on uh, his guitar solo on Beat It. And how that came around. So he, oh, really? Um, he plays both solos on "Beat It," um, 
but he said he went to the studio, met Michael Jackson, Quincy Lewis, um, and, uh, and, or not Quincy Lewis, Quincy Jones, Quincy Lewis is a basketball player. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Michael had to go record something, uh, some kind of ET recording or whatever. So he'd left the studio and Quincy Jones told, uh, Eddie Van Halen, you do what you want. And he said, don't tell me that because I will do what I want. <laughs> so he listened to the guitar solos, kind of like what he looked at the music and decided he wanted to change a few things. So he was telling the engineer, this is, you know, do this and you know, put this here. And he, they said like 10 minutes later, Michael Jackson walked in and Eddie Van Halen said, okay, I'm either going to be walked out of here because I changed his song or he's going to love it. Uh, and he was expecting to get walked out is what he <laughs> thought he was going to happen. And he said, Michael listened to it and turned and said, I, I love it. And he said, thanks for coming in and not just playing the solos, but actually caring about the song. Wow. So I mean, that's, that's a cool, like, behind-the-scenes story on, on, uh, on that's that That's awesome. One. Yeah, I actually forgot that he played, He's, he played on, a lot on, of stuff, on yeah. Beat It um, until I read that story. I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> Eddie Van Halen did do that. And then... I'm, you know, playing the song in my head, and the second solo in that song, it's definitely an Eddie Van Halen oh, yeah. riff. I can hear it right now, yeah. Yeah. So, because, you know, I was watching um, a live performance of him doing Eruption live, and it's, you know, it's it sounds like Eddie, you know, that's Eddie Van Halen for sure. So, would you uh, would you trust somebody that you brought in to, to rearrange a song if you were out of the room? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that's that's part of what I what I did on this album was I brought in people that I did trust, right? And musically, and that were on the same page. I think that's a huge thing is um, letting go a little bit of it right. and being like, let's try something, let's see what you guys can do. Yeah, for sure. Because there was, I mean, I wasn't in the studio the whole time with with when Greg was, you know, um, mixing stuff and, and arranging things. So he had a huge part in um in the in the sonic feel of this album. Yeah, and you know he. Uh, and I trusted him to do that. Do you have an electric guitar at your house? Yep. Do you? Do yeah. you jam out on that quite a bit? I try to if I want to annoy my neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, your, uh, do your neighbors uh, dig dig your music? I mean, do they? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care at this point? No. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we're talking to Eli Gardner here on the 945 show on WFNU. And... Uh, we're going to be getting out of here pretty soon, but if you missed anything on the show, you can go back and listen to it via podcast. Uh, we're available on many different platforms. Uh, the Fire and the Medicine is the new album uh, that Eli has released, but you played three songs that have not been released yet, so we had uh, a lot of world premieres. We like to we <laughs> like to go. play it up here on the 945 show, so uh, we, uh, we did a lot of that. Um, so what's next? I mean, are you gonna just keep playing music, some shows, and playing yeah, the, songs? Yeah, the, the next new thing album, I'm or? gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna focus on making some videos. Okay. Um, for these for these songs, I'm not sure how many I'm gonna do yet. Okay. Um, but that's gonna be rolling out here in the next few months. Right. Tattered and Torn has a has a video. Yeah, right? I have two videos out out Tattered and Torn and the Right and the Wrong. Okay. And uh, are those available on on YouTube and your Facebook page, or where yep, are those? Correct. Okay. Perfect. So people can go. Uh, check that out. Um, and your website is EliGardner.com, G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R. Uh, you're available on Bandcamp. Uh, we're going to talk about merch after the show, so we'll... Yeah. <laughs> maybe there'll it. be an announcement about that 
later on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else, uh, what else do you have going on? You got your, your music. Um, what, what do you listen to when you're, when you're relaxing, when you're, when you're just, uh, trying to get away from everything, the world and, and maybe put down your pen and guitar for a minute. What are you listening to or watching? Yeah. I mean, right now I, um, I've been trying to get out of my comfort zone as far as musically and the songwriters I've been listening to. I mean, a big staple right now for me is, is um, Jason Isbell's work. Okay. Um, as a songwriter. And, uh, but I've been trying to listen to different stuff. Um, a bass player I played with in, when I was living in Virginia turned me on to um, a guy named Jerry Joseph. He just put out an album um, with the Drive by Truckers as a, as a backing band. I've been really digging his stuff too. And, um, and really kind of getting into to trying to listen to albums that, that are coming out um, recently. Like one of my favorite ones right now is Lucinda Williams' stuff. She's a great songwriter. And just her bluesy kind of raw sound is I really dig. Yeah. When you listen to like uh, like a blues or, or anything, do you find yourself like kind of falling down like a rabbit hole? Like on YouTube, people talk about falling down rabbit holes. They start right. with one video. <laughs> And they end up somewhere totally, completely different from where they started out. But do you do that with music as well, where you're listening to one person and then maybe you get a recommendation or think, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds like this, I'll start listening to this. And then before you know it, you're five hours in and you have no idea where the heck you started. Yeah, yeah. And I try to, do, I try to uh, really utilize that as far as like listening to live music and um, just looking on YouTube and kind of watching the live shows. I think I really have enjoyed that lately. Um, where you're not... Where it's not a, it's not a show, but you're you know it's not a, like a TV show, but you're watching music happening in real time. Um, I think you get a different feeling and uh, connection when you're even if it's on YouTube by watching that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you uh, get ideas for your live shows or your live streams uh, from other people by watching other videos like that? Yeah, I think so. I think I get I get inspired. That's the main thing is just inspired by by the performance and and by the music that's being played. Um, yeah, definitely. And then for me, it's, um, it's cool to see, I've, I've been kind of looking at, um, people like Brian Fallon and, uh, Ryan Bingham because the guys that played on the album, the, the the rhythm section, Greg Schutte and Nick Salisbury play with some big players. And so it's cool to see those guys up on stage where, you know, the guys that are are playing on my songs. Yeah. That's pretty awesome to see how you get people that have uh, taken their time to to put their energy into your your mm-hmm. work, uh, that's got to be pretty cool to yeah, for to be sure. a part of. It. <laughs> yeah, I get trying to think of you know, like on the radio side. There's you know definitely people that if they took time to, you know, help me out or put some work into what I'm doing, that would be pretty sweet. So. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, you know it all comes back for me to building community and like, um, not being contrived and just in keeping true to like your that initial. Um, cool feeling of yeah that's a really cool song and just and if that happens like to let people know and share that I think people get caught up in you know the networking and, and trying to get in but I, I, I really try to stay away from that and be like if I like something I'm going to let people know right. you know and I think that's the the biggest thing that I I miss about live shows is that immediate reaction you know that immediate feedback and that immediate um, you know, emotion that comes from someone hearing a song for the first time. 
yeah, that smile on their face from right. <laughs> watching them listen to your to your music. So yeah, I bet the the reactions of of the crowd is probably probably big um, when you're up on stage. Probably people don't even realize that you're probably noticing. Yeah, facial expressions and, yeah. and everything, right? Yeah, so and, and some people I think when they sing and they play, they 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 close their eyes. Um, I guess there's degrees of that. I heard a, I heard a story once by um, I think it was in Bob Dylan's book, The Bob Dylan Chronicles. He's talking about David Von Ronk, um, who who played and he, who he learned from and crashed on his couch a bunch when he was in um, you know, in New York City. Um, but he when he would play, he would sit there. And pick one person out of the audience and just stare at them the whole time. <laughs> How unnerving for and that like, person! <laughs> just intensely like right. playing a song to that person, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I I don't do it to that degree, <laughs> but I don't necessarily play with my eyes closed either. I was gonna say, do you think you could stare at somebody and just? No, like... I would get messed up. I would like either think it was funny or or yeah, I don't think I could do that. Oh man, I was just trying to think of being that person in the crowd. You imagine? I mean, just if anybody staring at you i mean doesn't matter who's up on stage but if they're just staring at you the whole time you're like it would be a, it would be unnerving yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it, yeah i mean yeah i can't i can't do that but but yeah i think there's i think there's power in that where you're you're um taking in everything and seeing people's reactions and uh and feeding off that um and it can be a big crowd it can be you know just one person it doesn't really matter you know right. as long as there's attention and there's someone paying that respect to the music and and and, um, and really listening. I think that's what matters um, on whatever level it is. Right. If it's one person in the crowd, then yeah, stare at them all you want, right? <laughs> <laughs> but when there's two people in the crowd, then you kind of have to figure out what you're going to do there. <laughs> all right. Well, Eli, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for playing your music uh, live in studio. That was uh, that was awesome. Um, and uh, we'll be sure to uh, to let people know the fire and the medicine is out right now. Uh, check it out. Um, and then uh, the three songs that uh, you played live are not available yet, but when they are, we will let people know uh, when that occurs as well. You've been listening to the 945 show on WFNULP 94.1 FM in St. Paul. We'll see you on the next show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>